Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority alone, I forgive you all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. pray that your mercy and your grace may always go before and follow after us, that loving you with undivided hearts, we may be ready for every good and useful work through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. First lesson is from Hosea chapter 3, 
when a spouse commits adultery and cheats on the other, that scandalized spouse is under no obligation to take back the person who cheated. They may, or they might not. But there's no obligation. In Hosea 3, you see the depth of God's grace that when sinners return to him, he takes them back. And Hosea's life became an example of that by taking back his adulterous wife. You read, The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of, of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessing in the last days. This is the word of the Lord. Continue with the duet.
Second lesson this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. This serves as a basis for the sermon. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he's grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The word of the Lord. Please stand. The Gospel this morning according to Luke chapter 15. God loves to seek out the lost and forgive. We read, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. 
Amen. Please be seated for the gracious Savior, Jesus Christ, your fellow believers in him. A man, Christian man, commits adultery with another woman and runs off with her. As the church of God, what do you do? A man and a woman, Christian man and woman, start living together before marriage in the same place and they are infringing on the benefits of marriage prior to marriage. As the church of God, what do you do? A woman, Christian woman, has an abortion. Her health was not in jeopardy. She thought this would make her life better for whatever reasons and went through with it. As the church of God, what do you do? A woman just grows in apathy towards the house of the Lord, towards worship, stops coming to church, says, I can pray at my home. I don't need to go to church every week. As the church of God, what do you do? Well, the answer is the church of God stands together. And they join together and they witness humbly and lovingly the sins of these various people and they seek the repentance of those people. 
But that's not what the congregation at Corinth did. The precursor, the background story to our text today is there was a man, a Christian man at that congregation in Corinth who was unmarried. And he took to his bedroom his stepmother and engaged in things that ought to be reserved for marriage, but not with somebody like that that is that close to you. And he celebrated it. He was proud about it. He was boasting about it. And it was appalling to the community. The entire Corinthian city found out about this. Obviously a Greek city. They understand various and different unbiblical types of relationships. And even this ungodly pagan city, with the freedoms that they engaged in, they thought this was disturbing. They were appalled by this behavior. And so what did the church of God do? Well, they thought they were being loving and they joined in celebrating this man. They welcomed his actions and activities and they were proud about this. This was a big problem. The congregation joined together but not on the word of God. And so the Apostle Paul had to write to them in 1 Corinthians and spell these things out very, very clearly for them. He's pretty sharp in these words. He says, It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans don't tolerate? A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Well, what should that congregation have done? As a group of Christians recognizing what sin was, what should they have done? They should have practiced excommunication. That doesn't mean take your pound of flesh out of the person. The term excommunication doesn't mean blackball somebody. Excommunication is the church's humble and loving, final, firmest, and faithful witness to someone they still are caring about that they're no longer in Christ. I mean, when somebody persists in sin, when somebody is shown from the Bible, this is clearly against the Word of God, and they refuse to listen. When somebody doubles down in defiance and stands their ground, I am not going to repent for this, well, then that person's just plain no longer Christian. And so the church stands together to excommunicate and show that person and tell that person, you're not a Christian anymore. You're outside of grace. This incredible gift that God wants sinners to have, it's no longer yours. You are outside of the gospel. You are not in Christ anymore. In fact, you've switched teams. Notice, it's not the church doing anything to this person. It's the church warning this person. You're not seeing what's actually happening. You've switched sides. You're on Satan's side. And it's only going to end up in hell. 
And so the church stands together. And do you know when somebody's excommunicated what we do? We stand at the front of church and we tell the whole church this is what happened. So that the church can stand together. In fact, in the new hymnal, they actually put out a number of liturgies for pastors for the church to use. And they have a liturgy for excommunication. I'm going to read you a portion. A member of our congregation has fallen into persistent and public sin. Despite our repeated instruction and admonition from the word of God, he has refused to confess this sin or repent of it. Such continual refusal defies God's holy will and rejects God's patient love. Following the command and counsel of Christ, remember, even Jesus taught excommunication is appropriate. The believers at this place are bound to conclude that this brother has lost the saving faith and is outside the family of believers. It's my sad duty to announce, therefore, that this person has been excommunicated from this Christian congregation in the Church of Christ. We do this with heavy hearts and pray that the seriousness of our action will call this person back to repentance. The Corinthian congregation listened to Paul's letter. They took it to heart. And they went to knock on that man's door and they warned him about his sin. And guess what? The man didn't repent. And so the Christian congregation excommunicated that man. They told him, you're outside of Christ. You're not going to heaven. As well as the apostle Paul joined with this. He said, when I am in spirit with you, meaning even when an excommunication is practiced, it's not just one church doing this. It's all the churches uniting together in this. In fact, it's Christ uniting together in this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. When you lock somebody based on their actions and impenitence, they're outside. Can you, can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine one of us here stubbornly standing in sin? Can you imagine what an impact that would have if the church of God joined together as one humbly, lovingly, gently over time, witnessing until finally they stand together and say, look, you're outside of grace. I mean, what an impact that would have. What an impression that would be on somebody's conscience. I'm outside of grace and the family of believers is united in this. What am I missing here? And it would help that person, God willing, reevaluate their ways. And miracle of miracles, that's exactly what happened here. The church stood together as one. They witnessed together as one to this individual and he reconsidered his ways. You know what he did? He listened. He swallowed his pride. He turned away from that sin. He went back to that Corinthian congregation and he confessed his sin to the pastors or to the people there. Well, well now what? <laughs> as the church of God, now what do you do? So when a husband who commits adultery and runs off with a person, a Christian person, a Christian husband does this and is excommunicated and comes back to the congregation turning away from that sin, 
confessing that sin, as the church of God, what do you do? When a, a young Christian man and young Christian woman move in together before marriage and, and commit sin like that and, and cheat on marriage and, and offend the, the commandments of God and God himself, and the church stands together and warns repeatedly and excommunicates, and that couple repents, comes back to the house of the Lord and the people of God and confess their sin, as the church of God, what do you do when someone commits an abortion, when someone does this, does that, when anybody who's persisted in a sin turns away from that sin and comes back and confesses it, as the church of God, what do we do? Well, the Corinthian church got it wrong again. They were hard on the guy. They dug their nails in. They heaped more guilt on him. You foolish man, why did you do this? You know, sometimes that's the danger, isn't it? that we beat somebody up all the more when they are sorry and admit their sorrow and they have turned against and away from that sin. And so the Apostle Paul in our lesson today had to write them again and now say something completely different to the congregation. He wrote, if anyone has caused grief, he's not so much grieved me. I mean, Paul was at a distance. He heard about these things, but it was happening to that church. He has not so much grieved me as he's grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. And later, just a little bit, he said, reaffirm your love for him. You see, the church of God welcomes Sinners. Isn't that why we're all here today? In fact, all of heaven rejoices, as you heard in the gospel lesson. The angels rejoice. God himself rejoices when sinners turn from their sin. They confess it, and he gets to forgive them. And the church joins together in forgiving that person. And not just, again, is this a local thing that happens at just the local congregation. Even the Apostle Paul said, at a distance, I'm joining in with you on this. We're all united as the church of God in this. And so he said, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. I'm not sure if you're aware, but it's been historic Lutheran practice that when somebody has been excommunicated and they turn away from that sin and they confess it and return to the Lord and are forgiven, that they actually come after or maybe even sometimes during a service, they come stand before the entire group of God's people. Maybe they'd stand there and they confess their sin and their say their apology to the entire body of believers. Does that sound archaic? <laughs> Would that be just so embarrassing? Does that sound like the church trying to get its pound of flesh? Absolutely not. This is actually an incredibly wonderful practice. Not that we're looking for embarrassment. We're, we're looking to be honest with what happened and confess it and let all of you know the person is sorry for it. And not that it ends there. It's so that the church of God gets to stand together and respond together to this individual. Well, welcome back. 
As the Lord has forgiven us because he paid our sins the same in the cross, he paid for yours too. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven is open to you again. We all want you to know this. Welcome back to the family of believers. Our Heavenly Father is your Heavenly Father. Heaven is open to you again. See, this is what God's plan is. To be restored by grace. Do you know what Satan's schemes are? Do you know what Satan's plans are? That we kind of sweep it under the rug. Hopefully nobody finds out about this. Hopefully it doesn't go through the gossip chain and runs through the community. Uh, hopefully, you know, somebody doesn't think they'd never, they'd never welcome me back at that place. Hopefully somebody doesn't think, you know, my sins are too big here. Th those people would never understand this. That's what Satan wants a sinner to think. No, God has spelled out his plans for the church. If somebody persists in sin, then the church stands together as one and we excommunicate. Hard as that might be, we want that firm, final, faithful witness for somebody for the goal of restoring them. And when, God willing, they return Boy, does the church stand together again as one. What a joy! What a celebration! We welcome them back. We restore them to the body of believers and to the Savior Jesus Christ. Grace is for you. The gospel is for you, just like it's for all of us. This is God's great plan. This is what God wants. Sinners back in his house. Celebrating grace knowing their sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And heaven is open to you in Jesus. Let's let this house be that way too. Amen. Please stand. We join together in singing the created me. At this time, we invite up to the front our Sunday school staff for the installation. The names of all of our Sunday school staff are printed in our bulletin, the announcements section, if you're interested in that. We're very thankful to be beginning our Sunday school ministry for the fall this weekend. Dear friends in Christ, you have been asked to serve on our Sunday School teaching staff. This ministry helps to carry out the work our Lord Jesus described when he said, Let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Serving in this ministry is a privilege and a responsibility. As teachers, we ask you to continue growing in God's word yourselves, 
to set a godly example of Christian living both inside and outside the classroom, to prepare your lessons faithfully, and to assist with the ministry so that the children may grow from week to week in God's word. I now ask you in the presence of God and of this congregation, are you willing to accept these responsibilities and faithfully carry them out according to the ability God has given you? If so, answer yes, and I ask God to help me. I now install you as Sunday school teachers and staff at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May our God grant you his Holy Spirit and give you wisdom and strength for your service. Members of St. Paul's, I urge you to regard these teachers and staff members as servants of Jesus and gifts to his church. Pray for them. Support them in their service. Involve your children in Christian education opportunities and invite others so that you and other families as well may receive the eternal blessings that our Lord promises to those who hear and learn his word. You may depart in peace. Amen. Heavenly Father, we worship you for your grace revealed and poured out on us in Jesus Christ. Sinners we are and sinners we continue to be, but we don't hold on to it. We tell you about it. We confess it. We bring it to you. Lord, continue to rejoice over us. Lavish the gospel on us and let the peace of your salvation radiate through us. And as your people, bless us to stand together in your word so that our witness, whether in excommunication or restoration, is we too want sinners back. As several ministries begin anew, bless the Sunday school teachers and students and parents. Bless our adult Bible studies, choirs, musicians, and all the behind-the-scenes volunteers. Raise us up together in your word to hear it and proclaim it faithfully to your glory. This Thursday, our brother Dick Stelb undergoes surgery. Watch over him, dear Father, and bring him safely through that he may worship and praise you with renewed health. Finally, Lord, this day in our nation's history is a low point. We were attacked, we were made to be afraid, and many civilian lives were lost. Lord, we still are bold to ask your blessing on this country, its military, infrastructure, government, economy, and people. Best of all, Lord, lead people back to you in repentance and restoration. It's in your name we pray as we now join to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. 